Corey. Here, you can have that. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, I, uh, this morning will be brief, but I thought there was some things that were worth saying before we part ways. The first thing is thank you so much for allowing uh, my wife and I uh, just a chance to speak into your lives. Hopefully you were encouraged. Hopefully you felt challenged. Um, hopefully you feel just ready to go and live out the thing that God has put in front of each of you because it's a, it's a magnificent, it's an honorable, and uh, it's an amazing thing working with the next generation. There was a day and age where this job that you have was cool. <laughs> there was a day and age where uh, people actually felt proud to say, I'm a youth pastor. Uh, they might have even said youth minister because it was so long ago. But the world being the way it is, and the hurt, and the sentiment. Um, you guys have taken a job that is oftentimes underappreciated and unfortunately, therefore, is overlooked. But I believe in you, and I know so many others do. I know Hume does. I hope that that came through from Hume this week in the way that they wanted to just provide an opportunity for you to feel um, like, wow, somebody really does care and want to invest in me. Um, what you do matters. And the impact that you're having on the lives of the students that you work with, you may not see it now. You likely won't. But in the future, you will. Uh, I remember the days when I was a youth pastor, students would come up years after out of aging out of our ministry and say, you know, I didn't know how to say it then, but I want to say it now. You had a big impact on my life. And I always say, thank you. And in my head, I'm like, I kind of wish you would have said it then, because I always wondered, <laughs> am I wasting my time? You're not wasting your time. It's so important what you do. Um, there's this uh, amazing passage in John chapter 13 that I think really captures the essence of what it is to be in full-time ministry, what it is for us to serve, what it is for us to, to get to follow Jesus in, in, in serving the lives of others. And so turn there with me. bless you. If I was going to frame um, the words that I want to read to you in a way that would hopefully encourage you, I would say it this way. To those of you who ever wonder how to do your job, to those of you who ever wonder what is ministry, to those of you who ever feel like you need more direction or clarity in your job, this is what it means to serve. Jesus says this in John 13. We'll pick it up at verse 1. It says, Just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. 
And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet, and their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. In the moments before Jesus' crucifixion, I think it's important to note that Jesus' crucifixion displays for us one of the most beautiful examples of the humanity of Christ, the despair that he had. If you remember that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sweating blood and, and begging God if there's any other way, if there's any other way. We did an activity on Monday night where I had you guys just kind of take note of the emotions that you're feeling coming into this week. Jesus himself does that throughout his earthly ministry. Again, the Garden of Gethsemane is a beautiful example of Jesus going, I am unwell. This feels very big. This feels very hard. God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But he ends it saying, not my will, but your will be done. I'll be faithful. I'll be obedient. I was thinking this morning, as we conclude our time together, uh, if you have your notes from Monday, I'd, I'd love for you to pull those back out and just look at what you wrote down. What did you write down on Monday coming into this place? There were words like tired. There were words like anger. There were words like overwhelmed, burnt out. You have that in front of you? Can you read your own, your own writing from that day? Can you see what you put? I ask that because I have terrible handwriting. Do you feel different today versus what was on that page on Monday? What word would you use to describe going home today? Like, what word would you use to describe the, the state of your soul today as we get ready to pack up and head home? Refreshed. Praise God for that. Relieved. Relieved. Amazing. Peace. Encouraged. Encouraged. One more time. Constant. constant. Oh, constant. Thank you. rejoiced. Why? What changed? Do you know? Yeah. You made time. You made time to make sure that you were fit for service. And while we may not have the luxury of doing this weekly, there are moments and pockets throughout our day that we can practice the presence of God in our lives. There are moments and times throughout our weeks that we can make time to get refreshed, to get centered, to sit at the feet of God and say, Lord, I'm overwhelmed, to open his word and read what the spirit of God has inspired to be written down for us to be able to draw close to God. 
your time in ministry will play a really dirty trick on you if you allow it. It will reduce God to a subject that you can know and communicate to others. You have to resist that. You can't let our God, who is gracious and loving and beautiful and kind and merciful, grace-filled, simply become a career ambition that you want to get really good at telling others about. He's a person that we can know. And Jesus, in the hours before he goes to be crucified, he, he shows the disciples one last act of kindness. He washes their feet. He serves them. The King of kings and the Lord of lords disrobes, kneels down, and takes the lowliest job in the room. And then he commissions his disciples to do the same for others. If you're ever confused about the calling on your life, that's what it is. If you're ever confused about what ministry is all about, that's what it is. And if you find yourself in situations where your vision is off, where you're unsure of how to move forward, where you don't know what to do next, look to the example of Jesus who washed the feet of those who were in his immediate proximity because he wanted them to feel welcomed into the presence of God. That's the task. That's what's been put onto your lives. That's all I have to say this morning. But I thought it would be fitting for us as we conclude our time together. One of the words on the booklet that Hume printed for us is the word unity. And as we talked about how to conclude our chapel times this week, we thought, what could be more unifying than participating in communion together? One last act of, of worship, one last act of, of beholding and, and, and just um, completely declaring the gospel over our own selves. I'd love to read that passage in Matthew where Jesus does this with his disciples. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want, to make, where do you want us to make preparations for you to go and eat Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near, and I'm going to celebrate Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, he was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after another, surely you don't mean me, Lord. And he replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me, and the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who, had been, uh, then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, you have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread when he had given thanks, and he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus prepared a feast for his disciples, a feast that would become a declaration and a proclamation of the body of Christ that was broken for us and the blood of Jesus that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. We've been called to do this in remembrance of that gospel. And so what we'd love to do is uh, we would love to serve you communion. 
as we close with worship. And so I'm going to pray. Emily's going to play. And then a few of us will come up and, and we'll distribute out the elements and, and would love to just, would love to take communion together as not just a unifying act, but as a declaration of the goodness of God and the forgiveness that we have all received as a result of Jesus' sacrifice for us. And so God, as we do this now, as, as we prepare our hearts to take communion, Lord, I pray that you would help us to confess any sin in this moment. God, if there's somebody that we need to seek forgiveness from, would we do so now? Lord, as we consider the goodness and the grace that you've poured out on our lives, would this next few moments be an act of worship to you because you are worthy? We thank you for your body that was broken for us. And we thank you for your blood that was shed and poured out once and for all for the forgiveness of our sins. We love you so much, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen.